Has the story of your love life taken an unexpected plot twist? Well, this is the podcast that helps millennials rewrite the story of their love life by learning simple strategies for starting and maintaining a healthy relationship. Through candid and unscripted conversations, we provide tools to help navigate the twists and turns of dating and relationships. Are you ready to flip the script on your love life? If so, sit back, get comfortable, and enjoy another episode of the Love Unscripted Podcast. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Love Unscripted Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Wilson. And this is the podcast where we have unscripted conversations with millennials about relationships and dating. So I hope you are having a fabulous start to your week. Hopefully summer is treating you nice and hopefully you are taking time to do something for yourself. You're going to continue to hear me say that because I'm a firm believer that the better we take care of ourselves, the better we'll be able to show up in our relationships with other people, the better we'll be able to perform on the job and the better we'll be able to connect and pour into other people that we come across. So don't forget your self-care. Don't forget to do things for you that fill your cup. Yes, you got to support and take care of other people, but you got to make sure you take care of the person in the mirror first so that you can be the best version of yourself. But if you missed last week's episode, listen, I was joined by my friend and licensed professional counselor, James Bush, and we talked about something he likes to call manversations and it's topics and conversations that men are having with each other so that we can be better in life be better in our relationships and even be better on the job and how we as men can better uplift our community and just start the conversation because a lot of the changes that need to happen come through conversation we can't force people to do it we can't shame people into doing it We have to have genuine conversations with each other in order to bring about change. So if you want to hear that episode, listen, James is a phenomenal therapist and he's a really just his platform is really good. Mind of a man podcast. Go ahead. Pause this episode. Go listen to that one so you can get some information about these things called manversations. I was pumped. I'm excited to start having more conversations with men about how we can change this whole relationship uh this whole relationship space we 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 change the the terminology we're no longer using that this is a gender war we don't like that term because in war people die but one thing we said is gender dysfunction we got dysfunction between us and we just need to figure out some ways to come to the table have conversations so that we can love on each other and create beautiful family but on this episode man i have another great guest you may recognize them before, but let me go ahead and get them in here. Hi, how All are right. you? So, yes, introduce yourself. My name is Tanisha Johnson, aka TJ Self Care. I am a associate clinical social worker, um, a life coach, and a writer. Uh, very excited to be here again with you, having this amazing conversation. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Listen, if you are not following this. <laughs> Your platform, listen, I I follow it often and share stuff often. Y'all are probably looking like, who the yellow always in his feet? Listen, <laughs> the information is solid. And it hit home for me because 
one of the things that we're going to talk about a little later is, is this people pleasing thing. Like, how do we get there? How does that influence how we do romantic relations? But we're going to get there. I ain't going to jump the gun just yet. I do have some get to know you questions. So you ready for the first question? I am. I'm ready. All right. So in life, like, in, especially in America, right now we're part of this grind nation, hustle and bustle. Everyone is trying to get to the next accomplishment, achieve the next goal, do the next thing. And we're finding that you cannot do that 24-7, 365. You'll burn out. You'll have mental breakdowns. You'll get uh, fatigued from doing things that you normally enjoy doing. So what are some things that you like to do for self-care? So things I really enjoy doing is walking. I just love walking in the park nowadays. It's just relaxing to just be with nature and just relax. And I try my best to have my little AirPods in and listen to my music. Um, and I love to read um, and I love to take baths. Okay. See, I'm the nature person. I love being outside. <laughs> like. There's something about nature and being out there in the air and the trees and the grass. I know people who try to make fun of people like, hey, are you angry? Go touch some grass. But no, go touch some grass for real. It does there, work. There, there's a, I don't know. I don't want to ruin it. But there's like a feeling you get when you really just get out there and just are in nature, taking in that fresh air, not the... <laughs> Not the AC, not the AC air, not the not not the fan blowing because summertime is here and it get hot. But yeah. fresh air that that has real O2 in it, like from the uh, oxygen <laughs> in the plants and stuff. So that's cool. So here's my second question: Who is someone that is either alive or has passed that inspires you? Um. Hmm. a lot of people i'm trying to figure out who to choose um i mean part of me wants to say my dad he's not here anymore but um he definitely inspired me i think to his death reminded me to live if that makes sense um and it, it really hit home a lot um bigger than any other you know the death i've experienced with family member or friend and so um and definitely gave me the inspiration. I feel like even within this uh, this like career and and venture that I'm on uh, to keep going, you know, it's like he always taught me if something is important to you, you should do it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really been encouraging just to remind myself of that on this entrepreneur journey. Oh, that's great, and I I love hearing how people who inspire us. It, it always results in action. It does. It, 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 it's something about being inspired that gives you that juice to move forward. It, it's just something that's special. So I always encourage people, if you don't have someone that inspires you, start looking. Because we would like to think that we could always manufacture that oomph inside of us to like get up and go. But sometimes it takes someone on the outside, someone we're close to, someone who's going where we're trying to go someone who's been where we're trying to go to pour into pour into us some wisdom some encouragement that can get us going so thank you for sharing that and so here's my third question what comes to mind when you hear the word love 
connection. Mm. Um, mm. Just being able to be connected to, um, I automatically think of, you know, just like a romantic part, like a partnership and um, just being able to be connected to somebody and uh, do life with somebody. That's really important to me nowadays. Um, if you would have asked me three years ago, I probably would have said something completely different, like related to like self-love or something like that. But I think I have officially loved on myself enough. Mm. <laughs> I feel like an overflowing. And so now I'm more, uh, more intrigued by what would it look like to do life with somebody else. Right. Right. And I love that. That love. Listen, love can evolve. It can change. It doesn't have to be stagnant and only coming from one source or only be going in one direction. Depending on where we are, love looks different. It does. It really does. Like I've heard some of my friends talk about like how love changes for your children as they grow. Like they're like you love them, but it looks different in different stages. Even talking to my own parents, love looks different at different stages. Now, does the intensity have to be any less? Not necessarily, but it's it's the expression of it. It looks different. And I think based on where we're at in life, we can have, um, I guess, a view, uh, orientation of love. And what and what I'm noticing, at least in the social space and what I'm hearing in real life. People are in a transition of. Love looks different at different times. Yeah. And and that's okay, And that's okay. Like you said, at some point you'll be there where you're there with the self love. And then it's like, hey, this I have enough love to go around. <laughs> like you want right. to spread that love. So thank you for sharing yeah. that. I just like for people to get a little bit of insight and have different perspectives of what love can look like. So I'm ready to get into this topic. Um, and, and this is my opinion, and I'm standing on it ten toes down. I feel like you're one of the top, if not the top, codependency uh, specialists that we have. Because of how you actually break down the relationships that people have in, as far as codependency is concerned, you do really well with breaking that down. We've, you've already been on the show where we just had a basic conversation about what it is, how we get into it, and but more importantly, how to get out. So briefly, because there's a lot of new people here, could you briefly explain what is codependency? Because right now it's a buzzword. A lot right. of people are saying, and we're going to talk, but could you give us a brief overview of what codependency is? Yeah, so codependency um, is really a cluster of behavior patterns, you know, that, that generally are people-pleasing, um, low self-esteem, struggling to connect to people, struggling to communicate like our feelings. Like it's, it's a cluster of behavior patterns that really stem from our childhood experiences. Uh, generally people who struggle with codependency have parents that um, either had like mental health challenges or undiagnosed mental health challenges physical disability, struggle with drugs or alcohol. And so the connection that that child needed in terms of like 
the parent responding to their cues, you know, like supporting them like emotionally didn't happen. Um, and all of us, you know, God put in all of us the ability to figure out a way to survive. And so codependency essentially is a survival method um, that people use where they learn to connect and engage with the parent on a much deeper way um, than the average child would, almost losing themselves to a certain extent um, so they can show up and get that love and get that validation that they seek so much from the parent. Um, and of course, you know, if this is like never discussed or resolved, you know, we end up continuing these behavior patterns throughout our adult life. Um, and we believe that connecting with people means sacrifice. It means like giving up yourself um, in order to show that person you love them and you care about them. Mm, so you're, you're talking my language. So. As a systems therapist, I understand the cluster of behavior patterns. And I want people to hear that. So it's not just one thing. No. There's a combination or a series of events that have occurred over time that have informed how you interact with your loved ones or people that you love. Yes. It's a pattern. There's multiple things. So a lot of people think that if I just boost my self-esteem, then codependency kind of just goes away. Or if I just get my relationship right with my parents, then the other parts of me people pleasing doesn't really come out. But the way systems work, you have to almost put stop gaps in each one of those areas or put a, a solution or some type of intervention or some type of adjustment so that you do not repeat this pattern. And that's kind of what happens with when people go from one relationship to another. It's not that I'll even say it's not even intentional. It's more subconscious. It is. It really is. And we're not knowingly doing these things. Right, right. So here's what I want to ask. So what's the difference between being codependent and someone just being clingy? So, because I know there are a lot of people out there that just love their person. And, and what's the difference between that or someone who is like codependent? That's a really good question, too, because you're right. There is like, and I do see that evolving, especially for people who I feel like have been single for a while. You know, once they get connected to that person, they just love them. And so the difference is in codependency, um, you lose yourself in the person. Um, and you lose your identity. So it's like, not only do you want to be around them all the time, but you feel like your job is to constantly meet all of their needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's the losing yourself in them, the hyper-focused, almost even sacrificing who you are, what you do, what you need for the sake of somebody else where I think someone who may be a little more clingy, it's like, it's just a want. Like, I just want this person right now and they can, that's, that's good stuff. So people who may be struggling with codependency, what are some things that they need to be mindful of if they want to be able to have healthy relationships in the future? 
the um, some of the top things I would say, like for codependence, is the biggest thing is knowing your needs, you know, um, and even knowing that you're worthy of having needs. Because you know, I'm a recovering codependent. I've been working on my journey now for nine years. Many of us don't even know that we have needs because we're so focused on, you know, always being like the caretaker or sometimes even in our childhood experiences, like um, we were like minimized and shamed and made to feel guilty so much um, that we've convinced ourselves that we have no needs. And so really tapping into what do I need from this person or, or in my relationships in general. Um, and then also from there, really practicing healthy communication, you know, like it's okay to say like, I feel like this, or when you say this, it makes me feel like this and being able to dialogue and advocate, you know, about what's important to us. Um, and lastly, I would say not that fear, you know, not, not being afraid that showing who you are is going to push someone away, you know, mm -hmm. like being secure and knowing that, I'm a whole person that has needs, that has feelings. Um, yes, I'm an amazing person when it comes to like being in tune with other people and being empathetic, but I also need those same things, you know, right. for people in my life. Right, right. You mentioned something, communication. We all know how important communication is in romantic relationships, but in the situation with being codependent and not having a positive or an open communication with your parents, that could be difficult. Yeah. That, that, that can be extremely difficult. I don't know about y'all, but a lot of the times in, in my house, it was one-way conversations. It was my parents' way on a highway. <laughs> and, and for many people, we didn't necessarily learn how to speak up for ourselves or to have a conversation about our needs. So how can someone get over that fear of communicating these needs when they have traditionally been told that, hey, you can't say what you need or the authority has always had the priority when it comes to need? It does take time. So like for, for the communication, I always tell people to start off slow. You know, it's like... Um, mm -hmm saying no more, setting your boundaries, you know, and then also being able to, um, being able to have that flexibility to go back and forth and know that what people's comments are not always about us. You know, one thing I found since I've been doing this coaching with codependence, it's been almost four years now, is we tend to take things really, really personal. And that comes from a place of us emotionally. Um, we're not developed into the same age that we are physically. You know what I mean? It's like physically we may be late 20s, early 30s, mid 30s, late 30s. But emotionally, we're still that wounded child. And so that's who takes over. And trying to stay, you know, cognizant of that, even though I know that's challenging. I mean, it's, it's challenging for me, but trying to keep that in the present, you know, like, okay, what, what do I need in this moment? How do I want to say this to this person? When they respond back, knowing that it's not personal, if the person is like angry with you or looking sad or whatever it is, not allowing that to dictate and change 
whatever that boundary was, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't think people realize that that wounded child part of us exists in everyone at some level. Like, like don't, don't be afraid to address it and acknowledge it. For one, when you ignore kids and there's a challenge, they start screaming. They start hollering and your inner child will do the exact same thing. We have to address it. We have to address it. We have to sit there and really accept like, yo, this really hurt me growing up. What happened to me, I did not enjoy. And as a result, I now respond to people who say certain things or I interpret messages a certain way because of my experience. Now, the beautiful thing is once you know that that's happening, you can put stuff in place to kind of support you through not responding and not reacting. Right. You can start to address that fear, but you can't address a fear you are not willing to admit is there. Oh. You're not willing to admit. So another thing that you mentioned is that's an aspect of uh, codependency is this idea of people pleasing. People pleasing, people pleasing, people pleasing. I'm a recovering people pleaser. There was just something about trying to make other people happy. And in relationships, it looks like, oh, I'm a great partner. Oh, I'm doing everything I can. How can being a people pleaser and trying to always satisfy others put us at emotional disadvantage, uh, or just put us in a bad spot in general? Oh my God. Yeah. The people pleasing. It just, it really puts us in a situation where for one, many people don't realize that we need support uh, because we always seem to be on top of everything, you know, and um, always taking care of things by ourselves. And so it puts us in a circumstance where we truly do feel like we are alone in the relationship. Um, our needs are not being met most of the time. Um, and because we're so heavily focused on that person, we can easily start to feel resentful after mm -hmm. a while, you know, because mm -hmm. it's like we don't see them supporting us and nurturing us in the same way. And, and many people who struggle with people pleasing are not vocal either about the level of sacrifice that they're doing for the person. And so on our end, it's like, I'm doing this, 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 this for you. And the other person is just thinking this is normal. Like they're not knowing that it's coming with blood, sweat, and tears <laughs> every time we show up for them, you know, in a certain way. So, so <laughs> let, let's dissect that a little bit deeper. People pleasers are doing, let, let's walk this slow. Because think about it, relationships, the idea is that two people are trying to meet each other's needs, support each other, give everything you want. From the people pleaser's perspective, I'm doing all this and I'm sacrificing and I'm expecting it to come back a certain way. Right. But, but it doesn't. Therefore, I get upset. I get mad at you. I get mad at myself. And I'm like, why am I doing this? It's a, it's a, it's a cycle. Remember, we talked about patterns at the beginning. And then when you finally say something, your partner's like, what are you talking about? I thought you enjoyed doing that. I, I thought that was something that wasn't that big a deal. 
and now you're hurt all over again. And it sounds like on some level, you mentioned it earlier, that with people pleasing, we have to say no sometimes. Yeah. No is not a nice word when it comes to dating, relationship. That's one of those words that people put pause. Why is it important for us to be able to embrace the power of no, of saying no? I think it's it's definitely important, I feel like, in, in relationships, like, because the, the goal, right, of a relationship, whether it be friendship or an intimate partner, is you want this person to be in your life. You know, essentially, you want to, you know, you want to consider what it looks like to to build a life and build connection with this person for long term. And so when we learn when we understand that, I feel like, and and take away everything else attached to it and just look at it plainly, it's like, well, yeah, I want to show up as authentic as I can because I need to know if this person genuinely is a match, whether it be a friend or a partner. And so it's like when they're asking you to do things or be involved in things and you don't want to do it, you should say, hey, you know what, I can't, you know, I can't do this or like, Oh, I hear what you're asking for me, but that's just not something that I can do at this time, or this is, that's not something I do. And you know, I really feel, Joseph, if we gave our chance, if we gave it an opportunity and had these conversations much early on, I feel like it would be so much easier. I've recently been dating, and having these conversations early on has mm-hmm. saved me so much time. And I remember, you know, five years ago, I would be scared and just caught up in good times and good moments. And, oh, he's funny. And we did this and we did that. And it's like five months down the road. I'm like, oh, like that. I'm like that. (laughs) And then I'm like, well, it's been six months, Tanisha, so you can say something now. And it's like you completely just blind swiping your partner like what we've been rocking for six months you've been over my house you know we did did this this and now you're talking about you don't like this you know it doesn't make any sense when i think about it now right and think about it no is healthy in relationship no is extremely healthy you have to be able to say no to other people at times even your partner in order to say yes to yourself there are going to be some times when you are just not it's going to do you more harm to say yes than it will to say no. And think about if you continue to say yes to things over an extended period of time. The other person doesn't know you really don't want to do it. Even if you're doing it with a smile or trying to, trying to talk yourself into, maybe I'll enjoy it once I'm there. Like that happens too. No, like go ahead and say no. Like, at, at, talk to married couples. There's plenty of times where when it comes to what you would want to eat for dinner, they have two different ideas and they go get two different things. They make two different, like, it happens. Like, someone may want to go out and get outside, go to the mall, just be out in public. The other one may just want to sit on the couch and watch Netflix. That's okay. You don't necessarily have to say yes and be overly self-sacrificing. To the point where it does you damage, where right. it does you damage. So I think people pleasing is one of those things that people don't want to talk about as often because it looks noble. It looks noble. It, it looks like 
you're doing good things for people. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out, like, there's a lot of things that are defense mechanisms that look like they are healthy relationship uh, behaviors. And people pleasing is one of them. And I'm starting to even rethink just when I'm working with people or even with myself, how much am I trying to please the other person versus this is really what I want to do. Right. And, and like you talk, I love it. It's attached to needs. If we're not able to verbalize our needs, then I mean, how, what does that relationship look like? It, it gets real grim. So I got, a, I got another quick direction I want to talk about. So with codependency and people pleasing, let's, let's just stick with codependency. Is there something that, I, what I'm hearing is people who are codependent tend to gravitate to the same types of people. Yes. Is there any way to evaluate, okay, what is the pattern that I keep gravitating to and how do you actually change maybe even your affinity for those characteristics? Oh, yeah. Well, so I'm trying to think of a quick answer. My first, my automatic response Take is- time. Take your time. Give us the long one. Take your time. Uh, spending time with self is huge. Um, I always tell people who are struggling with codependency, you need to spend time on your own trying to figure out who you are, what's important to you, what you value. Biggest one, of course, is what you need. I always urge people, like, I feel like codependence needs to be in therapy, you know, because until you heal that wounded child, that child, inner child will continue to seek out people that mirror their parents. That's just what Ooh. it is, you know? Ooh. And it's like, you can go to all the classes and do everything else, but if you don't do that inner child work with a, like a licensed therapist or a clinician, you're really missing the ball and cutting yourself short because you need to be able to develop emotionally to the same age that you are physically because that's who's making decisions. That wounded child that sees that characteristics of the father they always wanted or the mother that they always wanted. And so they're constantly trying to have that experience again and make it come out a different way. You oh, know? Man, that is so golden because that, that gives us something to look for. That, that, that's practical and tangible. I know how my parents act. Yeah. I know how they responded to me. And if I want to change that and not end up in the same cycle, I have to acknowledge that, okay, this is something that I'm gravitating to because I want to dot, dot, dot. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's a parent. Yeah. Right. Right. One of my parents was a narcissist. And in order, I continue to date narcissistic men because I was trying to change that pattern. Well, I'm going to do this one thing different and then he's going to love me. Like, this isn't going to be like that parent. Like, this is going to be different. It never was. Five men, never. <laughs> mm, and like you said, we need the wounded child to mature and grow to where we are today. We, we got to bring them along. And that takes time. Like, think about how we raise and, and teach children. It's going to be repeti repetition. 
saying it over and over, doing over and over. Kids love a schedule. Doing things in a certain way at a certain time over and over helps with consistency. It helps deepen the imprint. So if we're trying to heal that, that inner child, we have to treat it and teach it and raise it how we would do children. And we can look up how to do that. Right. Things like we just said, doing stuff consistently, having a structure for it and being uh, grace. <laughs> we haven't said that word yet. Grace. I know a yes. lot of people can get down on themselves when talking about this, realizing it, going through it. But have some grace for yourself. Like, <sighs> life is tough. Can yeah. we say that at least? Like, life is rough. Yeah. It's rough. So give yourself some grace. So we're going to go ahead and transition into our last segment of the show, which is Flip the Script. And that's where our guest provides a simple tool or strategy for how to deal with a certain situation or challenge we discussed in the show. So you ready for your question? I'm ready. All right. Someone may be out there listening. They're like, yo, I've been the biggest people pleaser. Like I just try to meet everyone's need and I always put mine last. What is the first step that the people pleaser can do to where they are not serving everyone else and always running and trying to meet everyone else's need. Next time someone asks you to do something or be involved in something, don't have a fast response. You know, say something like, oh, okay, yeah, well, let me get, let me look at my schedule and I'm gonna get back to you. Right? That is, there is no schedule, but that gives you time <laughs> to find a way to find the words to set the boundary with person. Oh, I love that. Short and <laughs> sweet. Hey, let me get back to you on that. Hold up. Let me check my Palm Pilot. Is that what Cat Williams said? Let me check my Palm Pilot and make sure everything's clear and I'll get back to you. And there you guys have it. Tanisha, thank you for joining us this week. You're welcome. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Please let everybody know where they can find you on the internet and social media. I am TJ Self Care on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Um, and you can always go to my website for more tips. Um, I have a free guide, a living free guide that's a five step uh, way to end people pleasing on tjselfcare.com. All right. And I have all of her information down in the show notes. So don't click it while you're driving because, like I said, I'm not responsible for your insurance deductible. So please head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher Podcast, comment, rate, subscribe. If you're in podcast land, please head on over to YouTube at Love Unscripted HD, where you can see the full video for this episode. And as we always say, we may not have all the answers, but we will have the conversation. See y'all next time. Peace.